You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for Estimation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It's Tuesday, and we're going to start our off-season look-ahead today by taking sort of a 30,000-foot view at this team But I think more precisely what we're going to do is go over how I think a team should be built, how how one should go about building a team, how I prioritize team building, what I look at when I look at team success. And I think you're going to, you have an understanding of what I value, I think, if you've been listening to the show for the, over the course of the season, I think you understand or have some understanding about what I think is important for a team to be able to do. And now as we go into the offseason part of this, I think you'll be able to gather the things that I think are important. But we're going to go over some of them specifically because when I talk about team needs, when I talk about offseason needs, when I talk about the things that the Packers need to prioritize versus, you know, in the draft versus free agency, there's a lot of different ways to build a team. And there's no right way. Some things happen and you have to change your plan on the fly. And there's a lot of different things that can go wrong and go right. And and all of a sudden you're playing in the Super Bowl or all of a sudden you're 7-9 and nine and, and looking at the 14th pick in the draft. So let's start with the way that I think you, you build a team and, and how I prioritize the position. So number one, you have to have a good quarterback. And the Packers obviously have that. The question I think a lot of Packer fans have is how big an issue is the backup quarterback position? There's this old story about Indianapolis and Peyton Manning and and someone asked the offensive coordinator why the backup wasn't getting more time. And I'm going to clean up the language here, but he said, if, if 18 goes down, we're screwed and we don't practice screwed. He didn't. He didn't use the, uh, he didn't use screwed, but uh, you can, you can extrapolate, I think from context, what word he was trying to say there. And, you know, I think there's some truth to that, but at the same time, you look at, you know, the team that is in the Super Bowl in the NFC, they got in with their backup quarterback and the Vikings made it all the way to the NFC title game with their backup quarterback. But if the Saints lose Drew Brees, are they in the divisional round? No. If the Patriots, after trading Garoppolo, lose Brady and they have to start Brian Hoyer, are they in the AFC Championship game? I don't think so. If the Steelers lose Ben Roethlisberger. So if you want to make the case that the Packers should should sign a backup quarterback, a a veteran, uh, that's fine. It is not at the top of the priority list. And I, I am not compelled by any argument that suggests the Packers need to draft a quarterback high. Certainly not in the first round. This is a team that can go in the Super Bowl next year, and Rodgers is not in the back nine of his career, already talking about retirement the way Favre was when Rodgers was drafted. He's, he's on the back nine, but Favre was like, 
he was hitting his approach into 17. Rodgers, you know, he's on 13 maybe. Maybe teeing off on 14. I mean, there's there's some prime years left here. But so this, the the next thing that you have to you have to have is a pass rusher. And the Packers have some guys. They have Nick Perry, they have Clay Matthews. I think Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark fall into this this lane. If I were to tell you that the Packers were actually a top 10 defense at sacking the quarterback last year by adjusted sack rate, would you be surprised by that? Because it's true. I think a lot of the problems last year and for the last few years have been schematic. Dom Capers was predictable with his blitzes. His blitzes never got home, it seemed. I mean, those double A gap blitzes used to work, and they just stopped working. So I understand a lot of teams or a lot of a lot of fans want the Packers to pick an edge rusher early in the draft, and I'm you know fine with that. Harold Landry, Marcus Davenport. I, you're going to hear from me about Davenport over the course of the year from from. UT San Antonio, this kid is a player. You're, you're going to get sick of me talking about him by the time we get to the draft. But I don't, I don't see that as being as big a need as, as maybe some fans do. Corner is the next position on the hierarchy chart. And this is, this is where I think Green Bay could go early. I think at 14, there's a chance that they could take the best corner in the class. Because given the way the board shakes out ahead of them, that could be something that that ends up happening. Depends on how you prioritize these corners and where you think they're going to go. This was the position that when I when I put it out there on Twitter, who do you want to see the Packers draft? The name that came up most often was Josh Jackson from Iowa, and or or a corner. And so I think if you look at the draft, and we're going to get into the history and and how this works. With the Ted Thompson model, we don't know if Brian Gutekinds is going to follow that model. But I think that's, it's a safe bet that they prioritize defensive backs. And I wouldn't be surprised if they decided, I know we, we took our, you know, we used a number one pick a couple years ago on a corner. We used our top pick, though it wasn't a number one pick last year on a corner. But we need to get this spot shorn up. And they go that direction. Now the next position is receiver. And I think that is certainly a place that they're going to address, whether through free agency or the draft or both. And they need to. Offensive tackle is next. Obviously, when Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari are both healthy, they're among the best, if not the best, offensive tackle duo in the league. But the Packers have not been able to count on Brian Bulaga to be healthy lately. This is going back a couple years now. And so offensive tackle could be a place that the Packers go early. It wouldn't surprise me if they used a top 100 pick on an offensive tackle. But I think, you know, how much ownership does Gutekinds take over a pick like Jason Spriggs? Are, are they going to believe that he can be the right tackle of the future? Maybe. And maybe he's going to get every opportunity to earn that spot. The next spot on the hierarchy to me is safety. The And part of the reason is, there is such a low number of high-quality safeties that having one is an advantage. And it's really hard to have a good defense if you have bad safeties. Haha Clinton Dix regressed last year. Morgan Burnett was hurt, and Josh Jones was a rookie. I don't think Josh Jones was an F. Bob McGinn gave him an F in his annual grades. 
I don't think he was an F, but if they let Morgan Burnett walk, I would not be surprised to see a safety be the pick. Maybe a, a safety who, who could play a little bit of corner or a corner who could play a little bit of safety. Mike Pettin likes versatile defensive backs. Next in the hierarchy, I'm going to put the next two together because they're not any place that I think the Packers need to spend serious draft capital on, and that's defensive tackle and running back. You have to be able to stop the run, and you have to be able to run the ball. But in today's NFL, those are secondary concerns to the passing offense and the passing defense. Now, having an interior pass rusher is a, is a huge boon for your defense. Green Bay has two. They could use a little bit of depth there, but I think they're, they're set. And at running back, I like this group. Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, they can get enough out of them. There's a versatile skill set there that it should be fine. Linebacker is next. Off-ball linebacker. The Blake Martinez, Jake Ryan. They're, the value of those guys is just not high enough. In certain defenses it is. Like if you look at Sean Lee, his value to the Dallas Cowboys, the, his on-off stats are crazy. I don't think the value to a modern NFL defense though, especially a, a defense that plays in the 3-4 is the same. If you're a 4-3 team, your middle linebacker better be an ass kicker. And he better be able to fly around the field and he better be able to to play in coverage. He's got to be able to do more things. When you have two guys in the center of the field, it gives you a it gives you a versatility that you don't have. And so it does change the way that you have to draft players. Next is tight end. I think tight end is a luxury position. You can, you can make do. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was the MVP of the league in 2014 with a rookie and a limited rookie in Richard Rodgers. He doesn't need a Jermichael Finley talent to be a great quarterback. I mean, we saw in the second half on Sunday in New England, Tom Brady took the best pass defense in the league apart with Danny Amendola and Brandon Cooks because those guys are able to get open. You didn't need Rob Gronkowski. Gronk is a luxury. Gronk makes them unstoppable. But he, it, you don't need a good tight end to be baseline good. And that's that's how I stack these. And the last is guard and center. And not because those positions aren't important. I think being able to, to mitigate pressure up the middle is an extremely important trait. But they're a lot easier to manufacture. And they're a lot easier... To create, you can take a bad offensive tackle and make him a guard. You can't go the other way. And an offensive tackle can age out of being a guard. Once you lose some foot speed, you slide inside. We see it happen. So those are that is how I look at this team. Those are the places where I think Green Bay needs to improve the most. So you know, I think corner is is number one. I think number two, they have to get a pass catcher, whether it's a receiver or a tight end. They have to do that. And then I think three is a tie between pass rusher and offensive tackle. They, they have to get another impact player on the edge. And they need some depth and a potential replacement for Bulaga down the line. I don't think that needs to be a first-round pick, but I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be opposed. And then I think you, you look at linebacker, quarterback. They need a backup. I would love to see them draft someone else to develop. Brett Hundley is just... Probably not it. Probably not going to make it. And so they have to start planning for what's next. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed a veteran 
And the linebacker position opposite Martinez, I mean, I think Jake Ryan is a good run defender. But, I mean, they couldn't play him against Carolina with Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson on the field. They didn't play him. He played on special teams. So that's how I think Green Bay is going to attack this offseason. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. They have tons of NFL draft coverage. They'll have free agency coverage. Their their snap counts and tools and charts. They'll have breakdowns of impending free agents and, and free agent moves and acquisitions. All of that will be there, but it'll be behind the paywall. You can get behind that paywall if you put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast and win our contest. It's a $39.99 value, and all it takes is two minutes of your time, probably less, a minute if you're a fast typer. Give us a, a five-star review on iTunes. It is that simple. So now that we've looked at how I value these positions and how I value team building, I want to I want to make a designation between how I think you manage those things in the offseason. And so the Packers have a top 15 pick, premium pick in the first round. And that means in the second round, they could potentially get a player. I mean, you're talking about late 40s who had a mid to late first round grade or, or, a, or a borderline grade, a one to two grade. They could get a quality player in the second round because he may have just slipped out of the first round. And that's not something Green Bay could have said very often. Now, they got Kevin King last year in that spot like that. They got Jordy Nelson the last time they did it. But so I think if you look at the, the history of this front office, Ted Thompson is not in charge of the front office. But if you go back and look at his draft strategy in the first round, these are the players he's taken in the first round. Okay, quarterback, linebacker, defensive lineman, defensive lineman, outside linebacker. Offensive tackle, offensive tackle, outside linebacker, defensive lineman, safety, corner, defensive tackle. They traded out of the first round twice, took a receiver and a corner. The front seven on defense accounts for eight of the 12 picks. Eight of 12. And I said this when they played the Vikings. The difference between the Packers and the Vikings is the Vikings hit on their picks. Their defensive picks. Now, Green Bay hit on plenty of those. B.J. Raji. Clay Matthews. I think you can call Nick Perry a hit because it's clear he's really talented. He just can't stay healthy. And there's there's sometimes just no accounting for that. It's not like they picked a guy who, you know, was hurt his whole career at SC. I think Kenny Clark is going to turn out to be a really good player. And A.J. Hawk, he was not fifth pick in the draft good, but he was solid for a long time. He was a longtime NFL starter, and that's better than a lot of number five overall picks go. But I think what, what the point there is, if you want a blue chip defensive player in the front seven, you better draft him. Because the odds of those players coming out on the market in free agency is basically nil. And the hit rate later in the rounds for those positions in particular, if you look at outside linebacker, pass rusher, you better get one in the first. You better get one early. The high pedigree guys are the high impact guys. Now, I think if you look to three of those picks, if you include just the first picks instead of first round, just the, the first selection the team made, three of those picks were defensive backs and, and three of the last 
four picks in the first round were defensive backs. The defensive backfield is not fixed. They need to make some improvements there. If Josh Jackson, someone like that, I mean, there's 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 plenty of corners in this draft. They're not going to get a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick. If history tells us anything, it's going to tell us that they're going to take a defensive front seven player or a defensive back in the first round. And they should. But so what does that tell us about free agency? If they're going to do something in free agency, I think right now I was telling my editor at Acme Packing Company today that I think I have round two earmarked for a pass catcher, whether it's a tight end, Mark Andrews, someone like that, Dallas Goddard, or a receiver. That could change if the Packers go out and sign a receiver or a pass catcher in free agency. I don't love this tight end class. I think if Tyler Eifert is willing to come for us for a on a prove it deal, that could make some sense. But you know, I don't think Trey Burton changes the lives of the Packers offense. So, but but I think Marquise Lee could. I think obviously Allen Robinson could. There's some receivers who could come in and make this offense better right away. And they need it. Because after Devontae Adams, it's a lot of question marks. We don't even know if if Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb are going to be on this team. They probably will be. But they need to add talent. They need to add impact playmakers at those positions. It would be out of character for the Packers. But someone like Cortland Sutton, who's a big body, a boundary receiver, 6'4", 220, can go up and make contested catches, has some speed to get down the field. Or someone like Christian Kirk. Randall Cobb, so long. Christian Kirk, speed, elusiveness, playmaking after the catch. Could be there. Could make some sense. First round, second round. We're going to get into some of the my favorite guys in the draft as we move forward. And, and as the, the process moves forward, we haven't even gotten to the Senior Bowl or the Combine or... Or pro days, you know, we don't we don't know what's being said. We don't know where these guys are going to land. And I haven't watched all of them. I will study every player who is likely to be taken in the top 100. I will watch each and every one of them, and I will report back. Not on everyone, but on, on guys the Packers could be interested in. And the guys that I think would be would be good fits for Green Bay. But so, in free agency, if you're the Packers... I think a backup quarterback, it makes more sense to do that in the free agent route than in the draft. But if the Packers sign a receiver, particularly if they sign an impact receiver, a starting caliber receiver, second round, someone like Mason Rudolph is there, or somehow Josh Allen falls, I think that's an intriguing option. Because... If they get a player they really like in the first round and they've already got the receiver taken care of, you could make the case that they can afford and the position is important enough to take a player with pedigree that highly, a guy who could become the heir apparent. This is the Jimmy Garoppolo route. And and at worst, he's probably a really good backup. I think Rudolph can be more than that, especially in a good offense with good guys around him. I think that's a that's a strategy worth looking into if if you're the Packers. Now that's this is all going to depend, right? So how they attack free agency is how they is going to depend on how they attack the draft, and I think vice versa. They're going to look at this draft and say, okay, who can we reasonably get in the first three rounds? 
And how much are they going to change our franchise? If they can alter the course of our franchise, maybe we don't have to be as aggressive in free agency. But if they can't, maybe we do need to go out and make a signing. If we don't like this edge class, maybe we need to be aggressive and go sign a pass rusher. Maybe we need to go out and sign a corner. Maybe let's go pay Malcolm Butler a bunch of money. Maybe that maybe that's the move. Because I think in all likelihood, they're going to take a trenches player at 14 or a corner. Outside linebacker, I think a linebacker is in play. Roquan Smith, someone like that. Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech, 19 years old. Outrageous, 19 years old. And I don't think offensive line is out of the question. I don't think offensive tackle is is out of the question because it's too important. Keeping Aaron Rodgers upright is too important to not be willing to use draft capital on that position. The Milwaukee Bucks fired Jason Kidd Monday night in a surprise move. Giannis Antetokounmpo begged his coach, tell me what I can do to help you. I mean, this is, this is now serious serious, we want to win type basketball in Milwaukee. And and I don't know if that's a good thing, but I know that the fans are happy about no more Jason Kidd. I think if they get the right coach in there, this this team has the talent to be really, really good. And and Joe Prunty, the assistant, is is on the Greg Popovich tree and he takes over. People really like him. So this could be a great move for the Bucks. Follow all of the drama surrounding the Milwaukee Bucks. They did win Monday night, by the way, without Giannis and without Jason Kidd. Follow it all with Locked On Bucks the same way you would Locked On Packers. There won't be a show tomorrow. There'll be a show Thursday. We're going to go into some, some re- positional reviews. And we're going to start with cornerback because, as I said, I think this is the number one position that the Packers need to look to add in the offseason because although I like Demarius Randall, I think he, he ended up playing really well down the stretch. I really like the potential for Kevin King. Devon House is not under contract. You know how I feel about Quentin Rollins, not an NFL player. And Josh Hawkins has some athletic potential, but beyond that, Lindsey Pipkins, you know I like Pip. But those are not guys that, that you really feel comfortable about if you're going to have to play a team like Philadelphia with multiple receivers, New Orleans with multiple receivers, Minnesota, the best teams in the NFC have multiple guys and you need if you don't have three corners, you don't have you don't have a starting secondary. And right now Green Bay only has two corners that they can feel good about. Now I think eventually Pipkins can can grow into something. He's got some tools. I think Hawkins can grow into something. He's got some tools, but they are not top-tier talents. So we're going we're gonna to get into what, what that position group was this year, what they looked like, and what they're going to look like moving forward. I think, I think you're going to see some changes. And Mike Patton, I, I know that it, it was out there that you know I mentioned the success that he had, and, and I got some pushback from Packers Twitter. Well, he had Darrell Rivas, he had Antonio Cromartie, and I mentioned that Lito Shepard was the starting corner opposite Darrell Rivas for one of those years their best year and the safeties were Jim Leonard and Kerry Rhodes so yeah Darrell Rivas was great but the rest of that secondary was I mean it it was fine to not find players I mean these were these this was not a super talented secondary outside of Darrell Rivas and he made it the best scoring defense of the last decade on a per drive basis so I, I mean I think this secondary is talented enough to be very good 
when schemed properly. I've been saying that all year. When put in a position to succeed, they can. And I think you're going to see Green Bay play three safeties a lot. And we're going to get into a lot of that as, as we go through. But corner is going to be what we're going to deep dive on Thursday. That's where we're going to start our offseason program. I'm going to talk a little bit about in the second half of the show some of the guys that I think are, are worth keeping an eye on in free agency, in the draft. And we'll go from there. And, and that'll be the last show for the week. We'll be back next week. So no show tomorrow. On Thursday, a review of the cornerback position in 2017 for the Green Bay Packers and where they go in 2018. For that and so much more, you have to stay locked on Packers.